and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 190, Secure and Humble Enough to Point to Another. We've been walking through the book of 2 Samuel for quite some time and walking through the life of King David. And around every turn, we have another lesson. Many times in the life of David so far in our study, we've had lessons where we follow his example and we will be good. But then we've also had those times where, well, we didn't want to follow his example because that would lead down a road of destruction. Today, however, even though we are still talking about King David, He's not going to be our primary character and our primary example. That is something different than we are used to recently because David has been the focus for so long and will continue to be a huge part. But today, of all people to be pointing to as an example of something good, it would be Joab. So Joab is the commander of David's army. Joab is a relative of David's. And Joab, if you haven't figured, is not my favorite person in scripture. Joab so often just is reckless, and we will see that definitely. But in today's story, we see an element of Joab's character that really gives us a good example and brings up a good question for us all. So our weekly assignment feature is I ask you to examine your life. Are you more likely to show your insecurity and try to hog the glory? Or are you secure enough to point the glory toward another? Because that's where this, that's where the rubber meets the road in this week's text. And I'll tell you right now, I was looking over this, and I really thought that we might skip this section of Scripture. For those of you who have or have not been with us over the last few weeks, we've been covering David, David's pride that led to him abusing his power and calling for Bathsheba, his neighbor's wife, to come to the palace and just... I just want to scream. And then we've seen that David did not repent of his sin on his own. God sent the prophet Nathan to confront him. And then we saw that when that happened, David did respond as we should and humbled himself before God, before Nathan, and truly came clean regarding his sin and begged God for forgiveness, that being Psalm 51, which we have referenced multiple times over the last few weeks. We saw how the child died, and then we saw that David comforted Bathsheba, and that God, in his infinite mercy and grace, still blessed David, even naming his child, calling for his child to be named Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. God does not hold our sin against us if we, in humility, will come to God and agree with him about our sin. And then we have this section of scripture that you probably have never heard preached on, 
and I know that I have not. And that is 2 Samuel 12, 26 through 31. And again, I thought about skipping it, but the next scriptures are very challenging, not from a theological standpoint, but from an emotional standpoint. And we will, we'll march into those next week. But this week, I really wanted to see if there was something we could take out of this set of scripture that would help us to be able to live more Christ-like. And I think that God has shown me that. So let's read these scriptures, then let's set it in context, and then let's look at an example in the New Testament that can kind of help us wrap our mind and heart around this. So 2 Samuel 12, 26 through 31. Meanwhile, Joab was fighting against Reba, the capital of Ammon, or Ammon. It should be. And he captured the royal fortifications. Joab sent messengers to tell David, I have fought against Rabba, or Reba, probably Rabba, and captured its water supply. Now bring the rest of the army and capture the city. Otherwise, I will capture it and get credit for the victory. That is our focal verse, 28. Then it says, so David gathered the rest of the army and went to Rabba and fought against it and captured it. David removed the crown from the king's head. That's a story in itself. And it was placed on his own head. The crown was made of gold and set with gems, and it weighed 75 pounds. Okay. David took a vast amount of the plunder from the city. He also made slaves of the people of Rabbah and forced them to labor with saws, iron picks, iron axes, and to work in the brick kilns. This is how he dealt with the people of all the Ammonite towns. Then David and all the army returned to Jerusalem. So let's set this in a little bit more context. So before we heard the name of Bathsheba, we were starting out in 2 Samuel 11. And the very first verse is our tie-in verse. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And we talked in that particular podcast about the fact that David was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. And therefore, he was more apt to fall into temptation, which is exactly what happened. And then to not fall into sin, but to walk straight into sin. So David was not where he needed to be. Joab went off to war. Joab led the Israelite army. And then we walk into David, power hungry, David calling for Bathsheba, David violating Bathsheba and her vows to Uriah, David calling for Uriah to be killed, David eventually being convicted of his sin, David repenting, and then we get back to Joab and Rabbah. And I'm thankful that God tied that all together because as we look at this, so a reminder that Joab was the one who knows David's dirty secrets. Joab was the one that David commissioned with getting Uriah killed. And again, Joab, not my favorite character in the Bible, but David 
was the one in power. And he told Joab, put Uriah where he's going to get killed and then back away from him. And And Joab followed through on David's instructions. But in today's story, we see that Joab continues to fight the battle at Rabbah exactly as he had been doing. He was supposed to be the commander of the army. He was right where he needed to be and taking care of business. But 27 and 28 just really caught my attention when I started reading it. Joab sent messengers to tell David, I have fought against Rabbah and captured its water supply. In other words, this victory is guaranteed. Now, verse 28, now bring the rest of the army and capture the city. Otherwise, I will capture it and get credit for the victory. And if we look in the English Standard Version, which is a more literal translation, now then gather the rest of the people together and encamp about against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called by my name. Either way, same thing. If I take it, I'm going to get the glory. People are going to say that I, Joab, was victorious over Rabbah. Whereas, if you come along, even though I've done the hard work, you are going to get credit for the victory. Come on, David, step up to the plate. I know your dirty secrets, but I'm still going to point honor toward you as the king of Israel. What does that take to be a person who is willing to either share the glory or totally shift the glory? It takes being secure in who you are. And it also takes humility. I was thinking about a story that I heard just recently of someone who was ministering alongside another. And because this person is so very tuned in to people and what matters to people, this person could have taken all glory for themselves, not trying to take it away from Christ, but Everybody would have said, this person did this, and this person did that. And they understood human nature well enough that they knew that they needed to shift some of that glory. In their case, they tried to shift all of that glory towards somebody who really needed to be the face in the forefront of this particular ministry effort. And I was so touched by that and so so convicted of how many times do I truly think about how the situation is going to matter to others. I am a very task-oriented type of person. So I don't know if you've taken one of those different surveys where you find out whether you're more task-oriented or you're more people-oriented. I remember myself and one of my friends took that years ago, and she was people-oriented to the max, and I'm task-oriented to the max. And that can be a challenge because I am so focused on getting the job done that I don't always think about 
how it is perceived by others, how I need to possibly bring them along in the process. And then somebody who's people oriented, sometimes they don't get the task done because they're so concerned about the people aspect. Joab, I don't think he was that great at reading the room, so to speak. But I think that Joab, at least in this particular situation, realized that David had not done the right thing. I mean, he definitely knew that David hadn't done the right thing. But he gave him an opportunity to step up and to be the king, not only in name, but in the eyes of the people. Joab wasn't like King Saul that David dealt with for so long, where King Saul all wanted all glory for himself. Everything was about him. And when David received glory, where it, the ladies saying that Saul had killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands, Saul went off the rails. Joab, he's more secure than Saul. I'm not sure how humble he is, but I think he's more secure in his position. And I think he realizes that David being given the honor of conquering Rabbah and wholesale the Ammonites, that that just benefits Joab in the end because David looks to Joab for so much. And as I was thinking through this, I immediately thought of the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus. I couldn't help but think about it. As I was thinking about being secure and humble enough to point to another, I thought about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was the one sent by God, specifically ordained as a pointer. <laughs> that literally was John's job. He was to pave the way for the Messiah and to point people to the Messiah. That's our job today. Our job is to point to Christ. In John 3, which we all know John 3 is an incredibly famous passage, but we usually think of John 3.16, conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. But if you go on into John 3 and get to 22, and we are going to read, I only have in the show notes 27 to 30, but I'm going to read 22 and up because I want you to think Get your mind around this situation that's going on. It says, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon, near Salem, because there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. So let's stop right there. What do you hear from this helper or disciple of John. 
Is he humble or secure? No, he's upset that Jesus is hogging all the baptisms, even though that wasn't exactly what was happening. But in his mind, this Jesus was getting more business than they were. And that's the attitude that so often we can have when we're all about ourselves. Let's see, in the ESV it says, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. They obviously were not in the right headspace. John was in the right headspace, as we're going to see, and John is like, hey, my job was just to point people to him. John was secure in his mission, in his relationship with God, and he was humble enough to point. Whereas those around him were very focused on me and mine, and they were jealous of Jesus and the fact that people were going to him. Verse 27, John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. John the Baptist had it right. John the Baptist was secure in who he was in God. He knew that his job was to point to Christ. And he was humble enough to do just that. I want you to think about your life right now. I want you to examine your life. Are you more likely to show your insecurity and try to hog the glory? Or are you secure enough to point the glory toward another? And depending on the circumstance, toward Jesus. And some of us, we may do better in one circumstance than we do in another. You may do better in pointing the glory to Jesus than you do to give and share some of the glory with your teammates, with those you work alongside. You may be so focused on fighting to make it to the top of the career ladder that you are not going to dare point any goodness toward another. What has this made you think about? Where has God been pricking at your heart? Do you struggle more with personal, you know, those human interactions and wanting to point the glory, hog the glory, keep people focused on you? Or are you secure enough to point to others? And give credit where credit is due. Or allow them to propel them to become all God created them to be because you are not trying to hog this stage. 
Or do you struggle more when it comes to pointing to Christ? Or you like it when somebody pats you on the back and says, oh, that was a great sermon. Or that Bible study was just the best I've ever heard. And you just soak it all in because you are so insecure that you need that love and attention. Instead of being secure in your relationship to Christ and humble enough to make sure that the light that is shining into you shines back to the originator of all light. I hope this has been enlightening, pun intended, for you. I'm trusting that God is going to work through this simple lesson. As we go into next week, it's not a good season of life in the household of King David. The consequences that God had said were coming his way as a result of his choices. They're coming like a big, bad black train. And David, in my opinion, does not handle them well at all. And we will pick apart the story in future episodes. I wanted to mention to you, so I've mentioned that we opened up an Instagram account, Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. Some of you have hopped on there, and I appreciate that. But I also, I never, ever, ever thought that this was going to happen, but I've spent quite a bit of time on Twitter recently. And so my Twitter account is EO in Loving Jesus, because it's not you know, the Twitter handle cannot be long enough for me to do the entire name of the podcast. So it's EO in loving Jesus. And I'm going to give you a heads up before you even go on there. One of the things you're going to see is I am very, very fond of a new TV network. And that is the Great American Family. It's by Great American Media, who also does Great American Living. and I interact with their platform quite a bit as they are trying to move forward. So just know that you're going to see that interaction if you're on my Twitter. And I want to see wholesome content available for families to be able to watch, whether it be Christmas programming or whether it be movies throughout the year. I want to be able to sit down with my nieces and nephews and not have to worry about what is going to come across, whether it be in the content of the movie or whether it be in the advertisements. So I'm going to put a link not only to my Twitter in the show notes, but I'm going to also going to put a link to Great American Family and let you see you know, what that's all about. Um, I'm very, very pleased with what, what is happening there. So do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I don't ask this on every podcast, but God is impressing me today and I'm going to, you know, you may have just happened upon this podcast and you heard this country voice and you're like, well, I wonder what in the world she's going to say. And you may be somebody who you think that 
as long as your, quote, good outweigh your bad, that you are going to heaven. My pastor this morning was preaching about sola gratio, which grace alone, grace alone, that we can't earn our way to God. We can't do works. We can't do enough rituals in our faith tradition. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If you have any questions about that, you can click on the link that says, I want to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can reach out to me via email at encouraging others and loving Jesus. You can jump on our Facebook group, encouraging others and loving Jesus. You know, I would just love to talk with you about that and, and help you see where you are in relationship to the Lord. We have information below on the hidden episodes, the first episodes that you can't necessarily find on every podcast platform, but you can find it on my Podbean hosting site. And as we finish up today, I just thank you for tuning in. And I would love to hear from you as to how this particular story has impacted you. Reach out to me. Send me an email. Let me know what God is doing in you. Let me know how I can pray for you. And as we finish up, just remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm-hmm.